Whenever there's an outbreak of a disease like measles, as there was recently in BC's Lower Mainland, a lot of us are left wondering, why are more people not being vaccinated? Also, how are health authorities trying to turn it around? And why are vaccines seen as the scarier choice to a disease that can cause deafness, brain damage, and even death? I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. We look into these questions, as well as the fight between provincial health agencies and a relentless online campaign by the anti-vax community. Before we get to our conversation, I will ask that you should go get vaccinated. But also, if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, you should take a moment to do so. It's pretty simple, especially if you're already listening to us on your favorite streaming app, such as Apple Podcasts. Just tap subscribe, and you'll get every episode right to your feed. Also, leave a rating and a review. Easy peasy. Tyler Dawson is a reporter with the National Post, and he has looked into the issue of anti-vaxxers. So, Tyler... This whole issue seems to rear its ugly head every time there's an outbreak of something like mumps or measles. And with the recent outbreak of measles on BC's lower mainland, many of these kids having not been vaccinated, this is a hot topic once again. But one of the things that we never seem to really touch on is who exactly are these people who are opting to skip vaccinations for their kids? Yeah, so the group of people that skips vaccinations, it's a it's a relatively broad and diverse group. There's no sort of set income or religious or political beliefs that um that really define this group of people, but there are sort of some broad strokes. For example, the hardcore anti-vaxxers, the people that will never get their kids vaccinated, maybe the people that won't get their dogs vaccinated either. These are only like 2 to 4% of the population. So it's okay. a, it's a pretty small group of people, but there are others who are sort of what you would call vaccine hesitant or sort of moderate skeptics. So they might be the ones who get the vaccines, but not on the schedule that doctors recommend or who get some of the vaccines, but are maybe skeptical of others. This group would also include people who are sort of just simply too busy to go get vaccines. So, you know, single parents who struggle to to get their kids to everything or, or people who just kind of don't really think it's that important. That's a much larger group of people, about 20 to 30 percent of the population. And what's driving the skepticism of vaccines? For some people, it's as simple as a first incident. I mean, they go and their kid gets a vaccine and their kid passes out and they think, oh, no. It wasn't the needle. It wasn't the fact that that's scary. It's it's the vaccine or they get sick a couple of days afterwards mm-hmm. and they, you know, draw this connection. Then there is, you know, there's the de- debunked autism study from Andrew Wakefield that was in The Lancet. And, you know, there's celebrities and all these other things that sort of play into it and a lot of misinformation on social media that that people end up being susceptible to. So we, we talk about people who are rabid anti-vaxxers who will never get their kids vaccinated. Uh, and then you talk about the vaccine hesitant who are, who are skeptical of it. But what is it that they believe specifically about vaccines or in general about vaccines that make them not want to go through with getting vaccinations or immunization? Yeah. So some people believe this is sort of part of a big pharma conspiracy to medicate people. You know, there's this sort of purity concern. I mean, people talk about something like mercury being in vaccines, which isn't the case. None of none of the sort of those metals, I guess, maybe that were at one point in vaccines are there anymore. But there's sort of this purity idea that natural immunity is better. And so I got measles as a kid and I survived, someone might say. And, and you know, that's maybe that's better than a needle. Um, and, 
you know, it's just sort of a litany of fears. And the other one, I guess, is people think that vaccines can overwhelm a child's immature immune system, which is, you know, just not true, but people and, believe and it. do something. There's yeah. like, there's not a, an end result of that. It can overwhelm their immune system and then what? They get yeah. more sick, but they don't get the diseases that they're being vaccinated against. Yeah, it's it's a really weird sort of, philosophy philosophy it's maybe even too generous but you know a lot of sort of the facebook discussion that i've seen going through this is people have thought a lot about this mm -hmm. and feel like they're really they've really worked their way through the science or, and and things like that but you know it's it's not real science and their conclusions are false but they are pretty passionate about it and and as you mentioned earlier there are still people who feel that at least in the case of the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, that it will cause autism or increase the risk a child will get autism after getting it. Yeah. And I mean, there was a study that came out just a couple of weeks ago, massive, massive study, 600,000 children or something like that, that should have been the nail in the coffin on that being an idea that's still around. Oh, I shared that a story about that on social media. My, and my mentions were flooded with people who accused me of being in the pocket of big pharma <laughs> or, you know, being a sheep or just generally not not in the know as to what the real scoop is on the MMR vaccine, which is crazy. When you talk about these groups, these the, the hardline anti-vax people and then the people who are hesitant about it, I think in the case of the some of the kids involved in the BC outbreak, the parents weren't necessarily anti-vaccine, but they were concerned about possibility of their kids getting autism they weren't necessarily against vaccinations but they didn't get their kids vaccinated for measles or they, they didn't get their kids the mmr vaccine who is it that health officials are more worried about yeah it's that group of vaccine hesitant parents and, and children that are, are the biggest issue um, and that's sort of simply because there are just a lot of them compared mm -hmm. to you know when you have two two to four percent are these hardliners and you have 20 to 30 who are hesitant. I mean, that's just a lot more people. So when a vaccine works on the idea of herd immunity that everyone uh, shouldn't get sick and everyone is immune to this, it's it's bigger breaks in the chain when, when you're talking about this sort of vaccine hesitant group of people. When it comes to the promotion of the, the anti-vax messaging or the anti-vax rhetoric, who is it that's putting the word out there? Who, why is it that there's such a huge organized movement on one hand, there are the celebrities who, you know, lend some legitimacy to this stuff. Um, but social media is sort of the big, big incubator of this. Facebook has a handful of really large anti-vax groups. And interestingly, there there's some evidence that suggests sort of in the real world, there's slightly more men who are anti-vaccine. But online, it tends to be a lot of women who are sharing sort of anti-vaccine memes and stuff like that. Um, and there isn't a super good sense of why the, the sort of hunch of some of the researchers I talked to is that it probably has to do with sort of traditional gender roles in parenting and, and there are more women caring for their children and therefore, you know, a, a health group about kids would have more women in it. But that's really how it spreads is, is through social media and Facebook. It's a challenge for the medical community to try and get around. Tyler, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on. Coming up after the break, we'll touch on how one province is trying to convince parents who aren't keen on getting their kids immunized. I know that more than a few of you listening right now are big political junkies. And if you've been following politics in Canada over the last few years, you know that former federal cabinet minister Jason Kenney is trying to become the next premier of Alberta. 
He's trying to unseat the NDP government led by Rachel Notley. If you're into any of that, you should check out the Press Gallery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Sharon Kirky covers health and social issues for the National Post. So, Sharon, when it comes to increasing vaccination rates, the, the heavy lifting uh, falls to the provinces. So what strategies are they doing to try and increase vaccination numbers? Well, I can tell you about what they've been experimenting with here in Ontario. Um, for some time now, Ontario was one of only two provinces in Canada that required parents to show proof of immunization for their children to attend public schools or daycare. The other province is New Brunswick. And then what they saw was an increasing number of parents um, applying for non-medical exemptions. So getting exemptions based on reasons of conscience or religion. And so in, a, in an attempt to change that or to slow down the rate of exemptions, they introduced in 2017 a new law that requires parents who are applying for a non-medical exemption to attend what they are calling vaccine education classes. And these are essentially classes held at their local health unit. It mostly involves sitting through a 25-minute video that covers the vaccine basics. You know, what, what are vaccines? It talks about the components of vaccines. And the video tries to tackle some of the myths and misperceptions that have been spread by groups opposed to vaccinations. Health officials will say that publicly they'll say that the intent of these sessions is not to coerce or berate or or sway parents into changing their minds and immunizing their children. But privately, they will say that that you know there was a hope that they might be you know influence parents um, not to proceed with an exemption and to actually have their child vaccinated. What we've actually found since they introduced this program in 2017 is that thousands and thousands of Ontario parents have dutifully sat through these vaccination education classes, watched the video, and then went on to formally submit their request for an exemption. So they don't really seem to be having the effect that health officials had hoped they would. So that's one attempt uh, that that health officials have tried to use to boost immunization rates. And you can see that it's a very difficult challenge for them. It's interesting you say that they're, they're not, they say they're not trying to be coercive, but the whole idea of a policy suggesting that you can't enroll your kids in school unless you offer proof that they've been immunized or have an exemption is coercive in its nature. And you say that they haven't been successful. What reasons are people giving for not wanting to get their kids vaccinated other than the medical exemptions, which would state that, you know, my, my child can't get the vaccination because of allergies or compromised immune systems or undergoing cancer treatment. What, what reasons are people giving otherwise? Well, you know, when they have to fill out the exemption form, it's just a matter of ticking a box saying, you know, I object on reasons of conscience or I object on reasons of religion. And really, there aren't a lot of religious groups who are opposed to vaccines. I mean, some fundamental Christians see it as an unwanted intervention into God's will. You know, they believe vaccines interfere with God's will. For reasons of conscience, you know, some there's there are many reasons why parents say they are choosing not to vaccinate. You know, some of them are worried about potential side effects. Um, some of it's, you know, kind of this 
conspiracy, big pharma in cahoots with government. And of course, there's many parents who are still convinced that there is a link between some of these vaccines and an increased risk of autism that is coming out of, you know, that was based on the study by Andrew Wakefield in 1998 that was published in The Lancet, you know, arguably the world's leading medical journal. Um, that study, he Wakefield uh, said that there was a link between MMR vaccine and autism. That study has since been debunked. Uh, Wakefield has been stripped of his license to practice. It's considered one of the most fraudulent papers in the history of modern medical science. However, it you know many parents still believe that there is an association. Those fears are very, very entrenched. And that's one of the biggest things health officials will tell you they're still fighting against, the, the Wakefield paper and, and the scare of linking these vaccines with the risk of autism. These parents, they don't want to have their kids vaccinated for some of the reasons you just outlined. They check a box saying, I want an exemption for reasons of conscience or religious uh, reasons. What happens next? You you say that they have to watch a video. Um, they have to go to their health unit, watch a video. There's a registered nurse there. What is in the video? Have you seen it? It's interesting. I did see the video. It took some time to get the province to agree to show it to me, but I did see the video at the Ottawa Public Health Department. And it's interesting. It's a 25-minute video. It contains, it's, you know, there have been some criticisms that uh, it in the video involves cartoon characters, animated characters. Um, there's sort of this cheery, upbeat musical soundtrack. There's lots of pictures of cartoon pictures of happy, smiling children and dogs and even a rainbow at the end. Um, but it does, in all seriousness, does cover, uh, you know, some some really important information about vaccines, what they are, benefits as well as some as the risks. And it also has some physicians trying very hard to um, explain why the Wakefield paper was a fraudulent paper um, and, and, and trying to address as many myths and misperceptions as they can. Um, parts of it I found a little condescending and patronizing. I think we have to remember that parents who are either, you know, hardcore anti-vaccine or what they refer to as vaccine hesitant, sort of these fence sitters who have some concerns, um, we have to remember that this is, you know, tends to be an educated group, affluent uh, families. Um, and, and so we have to be sensitive not to sort of talk down to them and alienate them. And certainly some of the parents who have seen this video felt that it was very condescending. They also didn't like the cartoon characters, considering that it's aimed at parents, not at children. So it's sort of hit and miss this video, I would say. So the video doesn't take the approach of, say, cigarette packets, where, you know, with cigarette packets in Canada, they show a diseased lung. They, there's a famous photo of uh, Alberta anti-smoking advocate Barb Tarbox when she was quite ill with cancer um, before she passed away. It doesn't go that route, does it? No, it doesn't. And that's, you know, some people say that's uh, that's was a misstep, that for example, Oregon does have a similar program for their parents and similar vaccination education class. And their video does uh, contain very, you know, graphic images of children with measles and mumps and, you know, bull neck from the mumps. Uh, they have an actual audio of a child with whooping cough 
You can hear her sort of really gasping for breath because of all the mucus in her airways. So, you know, they don't really pull any punches. And this video, the Ontario video, certainly doesn't contain any of that. All of the images, the images they do show are very happy, positive light. Um, no pictures of ill children, no poignant narratives from uh, parents who've, whose children have been harmed uh, by diseases that were preventable through vaccination. So some people are saying that we really need to, you know, rethink that because uh, as some studies suggest that people are more motivated by fear than, than, than not. And certainly the anti-vaccine community uses uh, pictures of, you know, scary stories and pictures of children that they say were harmed by vaccinations. So it's working to their advantage. Perhaps we should be doing the same. What do the health officials say about the battle that they're waging against all this misinformation that's out there, specifically online? You talk about social media and there's there's Facebook uh, and there's big campaigns from the anti-vax community. How do health officials view that fight? Well, it's a huge it's a huge issue for them and a huge challenge because uh, this is something they've you know until fairly re- recently didn't have to go up against. I mean, there's been resistance against vaccinations from the moment they were first introduced, going all the way back to the smallpox vaccine. But now with social media and Facebook and Twitter and these online communities that are very aggressive in spreading their 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 message, it's a very it's a big challenge for them. You know, how, how do you tackle that? Um, and, you know, creates these echo chambers where it's just continuous, this message, this negative message against vaccinations. You know, there have been attempts, to, you know, Facebook and Twitter have both said that they're going to clamp down on on anti-vaccine messaging. You know, there's a study a report I just saw this morning from CNN saying, well, you know, in the last two weeks, there really hasn't been a change. We haven't seen any any noticeable change in the in the anti-vaccine rhetoric um, that is all over the internet. So it's it's a it's a tough thing for them knowing you know which strategy to use. This you know this attempt to have this vaccine education class is an attempt to sort of tell parents, here's the information, here's the scientific consensus, you know, here is the evidence, and you know even that is not swaying parents. In your article, you talk about how. Despite thousands of parents watching essentially this pro-vaccine video at the health unit, they haven't really seen a big conversion rate in people turning around and, and having their kids immunized. Overall, has Ontario had success with its approach to vaccines, especially you talk about them being only one of two provinces who require documentation proving your child's been immunized before they can enroll in school. Did that help increase vaccination rates there? Or are you still seeing a lag or even a growing number of people seeking exemptions? Well, it did. You know, if you look at the provincial rates, certainly Ontario and New Brunswick tend to have higher immunization rates than several of many of the provinces, actually. Um, and so some would say that this is an indication that their policy that requires proof of immunization for school entry is is working to some extent. However, at the same time, we're also seeing exemptions, non-medical exemptions increasing. So parents are using this loophole to exempt their children from vaccinations. Overall, the 
exemption rate for non-medical exemptions is around 2.5% in Ontario, but that's the provincial average. And we see higher rates in some communities, rates as high as almost 8% non-medical exemptions. Um, so what this, though, is, is raising this new question. Uh, BC, for example, is, has announced that it will be going following the, the Ontario model in September that children, uh, parents will have to provide um, uh, documentation showing that their child has been immunized. And if not, then they will have to go through applying for exemptions as well. But what this is all raising is this question again around whether we should have mandatory vaccinations with no exemptions except for medical reasons. And certainly that's the case in several states in the U.S., including California and also um, Mississippi, which is arguably you know the poorest uh, state in the U.S., which now has actually the highest immunization rate uh, af after that state um prohibited exemptions based on reasons of religion and conscience. Again, a very religious state, um, but they got rid of religious exemptions entirely. And so they have seen success with a very, very high uh, vaccination uh, immunization rate now. Well, I guess we'll see if other provinces follow the lead of uh, Ontario, New Brunswick, and now British Columbia. Sharon, thanks for your time. Okay, my pleasure. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Special thanks to my guests Tyler Dawson and Sharon Kirkey. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.